Good evening again, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, the meeting will come to order. Happy New Year to all. Uh, excuse me. Uh, welcome to the January 9th, 2023 meeting of the African-American Advisory Committee. I'm Chair Eric McDonald. I want to first just recognize the African-American Representative Advisory Committee for their hard work and staff who support um, Joel Stewart, Zachary Manuel, and Jeanette Coates, Brittany Chiquata, and also to John McKnight, Amelia Martinez-Bankhead, and Angelique Mahan, who, as always, provide wonderful technical assistance during our meetings and again tonight. And also, um, Secretary Mulkey Mayer is out sick, unfortunately, and cannot join us, but we are in very capable hands as Acting Committee Secretary um, <clears throat> Jewel Stewart will be supporting us tonight. Secretary Stewart, do we have any announcements? Yes, tonight's evening um, will be held remotely. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Anyone joining virtually, please mute your phone until asked to speak. Please use the raise hand icon or the Q&A feature to indicate you would like to participate in public comment. Additionally, there has been a modification to this evening's agenda. Item number four, migration mapping tool, will be moved up to item three. And agenda item three, general public comment, will take place immediately after the migration mapping tool presentation. Chair McDonald, you're- Please call the first item. Thank you so much. Yes. The first item is um, is committee roll call. I will now call attendance. Um, Member James Lance Taylor. Present. Vice Chair Tanish Hollins. Present. Chair McDonald. Present. Reverend Brown. Present. Rico Hamilton. Nicole Cunningham. Gloria Berry. Daniel Landry. Present. Tiffany Carter. Present. Gwendolyn Brown. Present. Anita Ekenem. Here. Star Williams. Present. Shaquille O'Kane. Okay. Present. She's trying. Yeah. Yes, yes. I knew that I had seen you earlier. Um, and Letitia Irving. Present. Great. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, let's move to item number two, please. The next item on the agenda is land and ancestral acknowledgments. Member Irving, um, could you please read the ancestral acknowledgement? Certainly. We honor the gifts resilience and sacrifices of our Black ancestors, particularly those who toiled the land and built the institutions that established this city's wealth and freedom, despite never being compensated nor fully realizing their own sovereignty. We acknowledge this exploitation of not only labor, but of our humanity. And through this process, we are working to repair some of the harms done by public and private actors. Because of their work, we are here and we will invest in the descendants of their legacy. Thank you. And um, 
next is the land acknowledgement. Member Cunningham was slated to do it, but she is out this evening. Can we have another volunteer? Or Chair McDonald, would you like to? <laughs> Happy to do so. Um, the Ramatushaloni land acknowledgement. We acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much. Let's call uh, again item number four. Um, thank you. Yes, item number four on the agenda is migration mapping tool. This is a discussion item. So colleagues, uh, we are fortunate to have a presentation tonight from David Scatterday, the managing partner at Scatterday and Associates, and Enith Williams, who's the managing director at Reparations Finance Lab 17 Assessment Management. And they've been working with HRC staff as well as member Econem, um, <clears throat> excuse me, to create a mapping tool that captures um, black migration over time. And I'm gonna give it over to uh, Director Tequata to make uh, formal introductions if you are. Thank you, Chair McDonald. Good evening, everyone. Brittany Chiquata, Economic Rights Division Director for the San Francisco Human Rights Commission. I'm pleased to welcome Enith Williams and David Scatterday to present this evening on the work that they're doing with the Human Rights Commission to advance a reparative financial framework. Um, Ms. Williams connected with Director Davis and me on some economic justice work at the uh, early spring of 2022. Um, and so, Separate from the work that she's been initiating for the department, we thought that it would be beneficial to bring in her expertise to really speak to the questions around quantifying harm that have come up in this um, committee. And the Reparations Finance Lab believes private capital markets have responsibility to be at the table in the reparations work and mission, given their historic role in enabling and benefiting from chattel slavery, as well as continued market activities that have resulted in the present day black and white racial wealth gap. And so um, Ms. Williams is uh, really ha has a lot of expertise in impact measurement and strategies to define the financial impact um, and harm of chattel slavery in present day um, dollars. And that is why we invited her into this conversation. Uh, RFL, the Reparations Finance Lab, also works closely with David Scatterday and Associate, Associates, um, which is a data analytics firm that has created a migration mapping tool that we will be reviewing this evening. So between RFL and the data sourcing work of Scatterday and Associates, we're hopeful that their expertise can lend itself to the request from this committee to support in quantifying displacement um, and really being able to visualize the intentional and targeted nature of displacement of Black San Franciscans by both private and public actors. So I will hand it over, um, unless Director Davis would like to jump in and give a welcome, I'll hand it over to Enid Williams. I just wanted to jump on and just say um, hello and thank you and welcome to Enid. I really appreciate when I met her, I don't know, over a year ago, just asking her to help us think through 
um, initially asked her to help specifically with HRC related projects, but thought that she may be able to help think through some other things. So thank you, Enith. I know it's been challenging and um, things didn't always work out, but I do appreciate your steadfastness and your willingness to work with us here in San Francisco. Thank you so much, Dr. Davis, Brittany, Jewel, the entire team. We really, really appreciate the opportunity to engage with this very, very important work and um, that has provided us an opportunity to essentially do a proof of concept of what we mean by quantifying harm, by measuring and by being evidence-based and data-driven in the way in which we think we need to be to um, confront and engage with properly with the reparative value that is due so that we are designing and deploying capital that will really really heal the harm that has been that has um, been part of our community for centuries. And so um, the I, I think Brittany did a very great job just laying out how the reparations finance lab, what our thesis is, why we think the private capital markets need to be a part of this conversation. But um, importantly, how do we get them engaged? And we think the only way to engage with capital, I used to be a banker, is you got to provide data, you got to provide analytics, you got to sort of speak their own language, right? And so you have to identify what the problem is, right? And then propose um, essentially um, mechanisms, tools, products, um, processes to get you over the, the, the line of that you need to cross um, to deliver capital and financial um, redress. And so that's really how we operate. That's our thesis. And I have been really, it's been my privilege to have um, met early on in the work of Reparations Finance Lab to meet uh, David Scatterday, who is a data scientist, who is really able to, um, I call him, you know, he translates my my thoughts and, and, and um, thinking around um, data and data visualization and communication really, really effectively. And so that's what he um, has done on the, um, the exercise that we will show um, and demonstrate right now, which I think what it does is it creates a really powerful visual um, of the narrative, right? We know that, you know, there was uh, the harmful policy. We know that um, Black folk were moved out um, because of um, the, the policy of the city, deliberate policy. But when you see the numbers, it really does provide a, a gut check to say, this is really what that looks like. As you know, I don't know how many of you have seen um, the Slave Voyages website where you see those um, voyages taking us over. And it, the first time I saw that, I, I, I was in tears because I knew that my ancestors were on one of those um, vessels. And I think this demonstration has the same impact because for those from the community, when you see folk being moved out of Fillmore and scattered, um, 
you understand the impact of this policy. So David, I'm gonna turn it over to you. I will say before he comes on, David is on the other side of the world and has not the best bandwidth. So he may not be able to show his face. <laughs> thank you, Anif. Uh, thank you, Director Davis. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you, Joel. And thank you, committee members for allowing me to present to you today. So I will very quickly, um, I'm sharing my, my screen, and this is an interactive uh, data visualization interface that could be you know, exposed via the committee website or any other web-facing um, location. And I'll just give a quick overview of, of, the, of the interface and then kind of go into the, the demo specifically. So what we wanted to do was create a tool to look at the movement of the black population in San Francisco and the surrounding counties over an 80 year period of time from 1940 to 2020 using US census decennial data. Working with the committee, we defined the tracked level, which is generally equivalent to seven to 10 urban city blocks as the appropriate jurisdictional layer. So just to kind of fill a few of the boundaries, <clears throat> we have different what we'll call data shapefiles that help kind of instruct and anchor the viewer, right? So what we have is we can show, uh, you know, at San Francisco counties or San Francisco only and peripheral counties with the simple click. We can also show supervisory district boundaries for the city of San Francisco, the primary governing entities for, for the peninsula or the city of San Francisco. And then in, importantly, we also took a look at create custom Backgrounds uh, for the Fillmore uh, Westwood Edition A1 and A2 districts. Um, so you can kind of see this area, which is, you know, as a, an area of um, research for the committee, but the, the redevelopment districts that happened in these areas in the Fillmore in, in, in the 60s onwards. Uh, sorry, 19, uh, sorry, 1956 and onwards. So these are all different. Um, you know, analytical boundary lines that we created that are used in the tool. So just to layer it out again, to level up to the broader geography, we have a simple slider that shows the 10-year periods between 1940. You create an entry year, or an initiation year, and a terminal year. So knowing that um, the Fillmore A1 Western Edition um, was formalized by the, by the city in 1956, Let's say we select 1960 to begin analyzing the movement of total black population. And just for the sake of demonstration, let's say 2010 is our terminal year of interest. So we're able to select again these uh, different layers that are most applicable to the, the conversation that we're having, which is press search. At this point, what we'll see is a data, a, a, a visualized uh, heat map of the movement of the black population aggregate between those two years. So very, very interestingly, this the output here very much corroborates or um, validates what is kind of qualitatively known to be the movement or displacement of the black population, specifically from certain populations in the city. What's cool about the tool is it's very interactive. So we can see the Fillmore area. We do, we've made it as flexible as possible in terms of the interface. You can click on a specific 
census census tract, and it'll take you to the record for the tract data. It'll provide you the population in the initiation year. So this would be in tract 015801, a total black population of 3,880, and then a terminal year population of 1,050. That loss of 2,080 individuals. David, I'm not I'm not sure if you can do anything about your mic, but you're kind of breaking up a little bit and some pieces we're losing, but. Sure, uh, thank, you, thank you, Director Davis. I'll get closer to the microphone. So, and you can also, if you have um, a tract of interest, you just click on the tract, it'll take you to that location. And you can also provide, it'll provide that same data. There's a legend that shows um, the color mapping and what it and how it relates to population changes between the two time periods. And so, you know, really interestingly, it's kind of it's a really strong tool that helps validate and create kind of visualized storytelling for broader narratives around public and private action that discriminatory and harmful to the Black population. So, I think the broader tool itself, and it provides all of these decennial time periods over this time, over this 80 year time window. And you can also select for a time slider to see the change between the change between these two initiation endpoints over the course over the course of these 10 year intervals. Let's just see what that looks like. Oh, sorry. So just <clears throat> excuse me, search. And you can press this button time slider and it'll David, did we lose you? Nope. So you see the, the sliders that are demonstrating the the auto change for the um the time slider over time. Okay. Is everyone so, getting that? I think it was a yeah. little choppy when he um, went over it. So maybe you could repeat. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So the user selects an initiation and endpoint year um, and is able to select this button time slider. And in two second increments, it shows the change in population between every 10 year period in the in the greater uh, time window selected, right? So you click time slider and watch the slider here move in right. 10 year increments between 50 years. So when he clicks, just look at the map. The map changes colors. You can see that's what he's showing. Yep. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Dennis. And of course, you know, we can, any small technical changes are very easy to make in terms of the, the time lag between the, the 10 year increments. So this is a, an overview. This is basically the overview of the tool, and then of course there's very specific, simple functionality like being able to, um, you know, save the report, print it, print the maps, um, and create remnants and records of the searches that could again be distributed and used um, in an array of different engagement settings with public, private, nonprofit, or citizen stakeholder groups. And um, we are. Uh, have made this and, and um, available um, to 
um, Dr. Davison and her team, and she will, you know, I, I, Dr. Davison, I'm not sure how um, we have discussed various um, placements of this so that um, there can be access. So we'll wait to, you know, um, hear from you so that committee members, you know, whomever you think would be most appropriate to interact with the, um, with the tool can really take their time and generate their own um, time mapping and, and, and um, you know, visuals from the tool. So I don't know if you want to um, maybe speak a little bit around access now that we have demonstrated it. Yeah, I mean, through the chair, I will just say, you know, the, the intent for this was, I am a, um, what do they call it? Um, a tinkler, right? Like I like to, or what, I don't know. I don't think that might be, doesn't sound right. Um, but I, I like to, I'm very visual. And so the initial, uh, the initial, thanks. <laughs> oh, my, something else. Um, I think I, um, visual. So the initial conversation with you was really around this. I think it's up to the committee itself. I know that there is some conversation with um, some local uh, data scientists and other folks to continue to build this out and to leverage the archives of the body. But I do want it, didn't want to, since we had started this process, be able to share it here with you all. And I think, um, you know, it's at the will of the committee, how they'd like to continue or leverage this data and access it. Um, I think that there's the ability to also think about the businesses that were displaced, um, to think about specific blocks and other information, how we put that in. So really wanted to have you, thank you, Brittany, for inviting um, Enith and David to share. Uh, and I think the idea and the hope is for folks to know that there has been some tinkering, some kind of exploring and considering, but um, how we leverage that and build on it is really at the, um, the discretion of the committee. I think the Human Rights Commission, I just got super excited when you shared the visual and wanted to explore more ways, whether it's through the Reparations Advisory Committee or through the HRC specifically um, to leverage this and to be able to tell this visual story of um, really the displacement, the gentrification and the impact of um, systemic racism on black folks in this city. Thanks, Director Davis. Um, and I would just also add that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I think that as we are working as a committee, both on the uh, concrete plan itself and, and recommendations, as well as the narrative that we're intending to um, stand up around um, the necessity for the requirements of and the harm and impact, this is yet another tool that I would suggest we have um, at our disposal. And so again, wanna add, um, my thanks. Uh, we're going to go to committee discussion. Um, David, for now, you can take down your, your um, stop sharing your screen, um, and then we can go to any questions or discussion um, with committee members before we go to public comment. Um, Director Davis. Just one point of clarity. I just wanted to explain, too, that this was a very limited scope and very limited resources alloc allocated to this and a limited timeline. Um, I think ideally <clears throat> had it citywide and we would have spent more time doing that. But I think the initial um, focus on Fillmore was not about like narrowly focusing on Fillmore more than it was that that data was um, easily and readily available within that limited time frame and scope of work. But in, the intention was to explore it and maybe ex to expand it. So just know that that was not meant to be um, 
only the film where it was just because of the, the timeline. Excellent. Thanks, Director Davis. Um, I see the hands of committee members that have been raised. I'm going to call on Member Ekanem first because he did some of the initial work with, with Enith, and then I'll come to uh, Reverend Brown and uh, Member Taylor. Thank you, Chair McDonald uh, and the committee. I absolutely appreciate uh, being here, here tonight, and thank you, uh, Brittany, for uh, scheduling this. Uh, both Enith and David, thank, thank you so much for being part of this. I think overall on the economic empowerment uh, point, we were really sort of taking a look at, is there a tool or is there a way for us to visually show the amount of money, right, that has been stolen? So I think this is a good first step to sort of take a look at migration. And we actually wanted to keep going um, by sort of taking a look at some local talent that we actually have um, as far as data mapping and really sort of take this to the next level or other tools, other data to the next level to really help us quantify that in a very visual way. So I love the fact that we, with this tool, can sort of take a look at what the migration looks like. Now, yes, do we already intrinsically know that this, this has happened? Absolutely, right? However, having a really good tool like this really helps us sort of visualize in front of other audiences that we will have to get in front of. Now, imagine having this tool and being able to clearly um, sort of outline and show the amount of money that has then been taken out of our communities, right? Not only with the migration, sort of personal migration, but um, business ownership and the impact that this migration has had on that. What does it then look like when we're also taking a look at uh, education, right? And the educational impact. What does it look like as we layer on uh, things like the war on drugs and, you know, and really the war on Black people? And what does that look like visually? So this is just another tool for us to make the argument, not just from my perspective, with a $14 billion budget for ongoing repair on the economic side that will be matched with the gentrification, the moving out, and all of the sort of financial um, implications that that has had like on us. So again, this is the first step. This is a lot of that quantification sort of taking a look and sort of putting dollars and cents like behind that. Um, and like like I've said before, you know, um, we're owed a lot of money um, through reparations and having tools like this to help us quantify that, visualize that, um, to really help us sort of cement our own argument sort of moving forward is going to be re really important. So I just wanted to put that out there uh, and thank both Enith and David uh, for this and looking forward to also leveraging our sort of local talent um, to sort of help us strengthen our story. Okay, that sounds like an exit stage left for me. So thank you very much for the opportunity. We are open for, you know, continued uh, conversation and really um, was a privilege to um, sort of have the opening bat on this and we are ready to come back in and just wish you well. You're really an important um, signpost on the road to reparations. So uh, good luck to all of you and just thank you enormously. Enith, thank you so much for that. Do you have another five minutes or so? Okay. <laughs> and I only ask because just in case committee members had a question that you might be able to answer, that that's all. So if it looks okay. like there aren't any for you, then we'll certainly give you your time back. Cause yeah, we really okay. appreciate you and your time. Um, Reverend Brown, please. 
uh, Mr. Chairman, the members of the task force, in addition to the excellent graphics, the visual that has been presented, Don Tamaki, who serves on the state task force on reparations with me and others, made a very cogent point that when the Japanese community was making this case, they sought out persons who went through the fire. They sought out persons who were actually victimized and they were scheduled they were scripted to give testimonies. And I would just like to suggest that there's still folks who are around, still alive, the thinking is clear. And I feel it would be a great plus for us to augment the great work that we're doing by lining up immediately in all sectors of this community, those elders and others of our community who were in this community, even going back to the 30s, who are still around. Thank you, Evan Brown. Appreciate that. Let me just pause and ask both Member Taylor and Member Carter if, whether you have a question for Enid, because if not, I do want to um, let her exit stage right. No, I don't have a question for her, but it is. Okay, hold, hold, so hold, hold right there. I just want to answer that question. Member Taylor, yes or no? Uh, yeah, well, it, it's a general observation that she probably um, might be able to speak to. Okay, go. Please. So thank you. Um, first of all, I want to thank um, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Scatterday and Mrs. Williams for your, for your excellent presentation. And I really appreciate this tool um, and you know everything that it is, is great potential um, as, a, as a way of visualizing you know, the realities of what's happened. <clears throat> of course, some of the questions were, uh, and Director Davis already addressed it, but the questions around sort of other representative black communities, because there's a real sensitivity with this committee that there's a bias you know, toward the Fillmore at the expense of some other sections of the black community. So that's a real sensitivity, uh, even if we do explain it away, you know, in general. Um, I also want to, I guess I'll be the, the devil's advocate or the, you know, the, the, the gadfly um, and just sort of ask a couple of, uh, make a couple of points. One, um, I'm almost concerned that having this tool out um, opens up potential issues related to the fact that white people in San Francisco throughout the 70s in all of these neighborhoods and backwards were also devastated by redevelopment. That's not our concern, but that happened. It wasn't, in other words, what redevelopment did, it did it to everybody, just like under Ed Lee, Ed Lee did it to everybody, right? So um, I'm afraid, or not afraid, I'm just, I guess you can speak to it, that if we put this out, how does it then, you know, how can it be used against us to look at the white impact 
to negate and trivialize our claim. In other words, if people start poking around in other neighborhoods, they're going to say, wait a minute, because the facts, I know the facts and the facts of redevelopment, at least in part, it did displace every, every community. It was just like incarceration, way disproportionate harm on black, black San Francisco. And because it was already unstable, it didn't get good footing. And by 1970, the out-migration begins irreversibly when it peaked at 96,000 people and, and has collapsed ever since. Finally, um, I guess I would ask about the method of using the decentennial um, approach um, in that it looks at decades, but is there any data lost by not looking, or, or does this tool make it possible to go year by year across time? Because how much data is being lost in what happened from 1970, say in 1955 to 60 to 58, or, or you know 55 to 62, or 62 to 70? Because those are the specific years where you see a lot of the housing uh, phenomena uh, uh, take place. So I just wanted to put that out there as one, the larger impact of other communities, but also are we losing anything in methodologically using the decentennial approach as opposed to also being able to do like the census does, they have it, the, the, bian, the bicentennial, the, the, the um, decentennial one, but then they all, always do an off-year, uh, in-between-year um, census um, that kind of measures the changes that are happening in between the big, the big, the big, the big time periods. So I'm saying, I wonder if, if we're not losing some claims to power and claims to injury by not breaking down by the year as opposed to by the decade, or can we make it that way so we can do it both ways? Thank you. And, it's, and I'm not being negative. I just wanted to sort of put those criticisms. I appreciate the work you're doing. I think this is great, but I just wanted to put that out there to, to think about how, how can it be used against us um, and also uh, methodologically, these questions about um, the you know the year the year gaps. Thank you. Thank you, Member Taylor. I guess my response to the first um, about whether or not it can be used against us. I I read through the um, preliminary report, the draft report, and for me, I have game literally. Um, but the case is clear, right? Whatever other communities' um, claims of harm are, it's very clear the harm that's directed at Black people, right? So it's, you know, folk can twist language and do whatever they want to do and spin stories, but at the end of the day, the case has been made. Um, so that's that's my response. I, I think the committee... Um, and the residents of San Francisco um, have to make their voices and their claim firmly, which, which has been captured. Now, in terms of the data and you know, the scope, we, 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 I, I think Dr. Davis um, intimated that we were essentially limited with time and resources. So we sort of use the, the biggest, most accessible data um, pool, which is the census. Um, with time, resources, we can build on this, right? But um, with what we had and the time we had, um, we used um, essentially what was more universally accessible and more universally um, 
open to for you know data folk to go in and say, okay, I, I can understand this, right? Thank you. But yeah. And, and through the chair, if I could just again just um I mentioned this in the beginning, but when I initially approached Enid and her um to support, it was with regards to as folks know, we've been um the Human Rights Commission has been supporting doing um the the Fillmore Heritage Center and doing some community 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 meetings and other things with MOCD and OCII and so it was with the intention of showing displacement and some of that so she initially was brought on for a very specific HRC project and when the the committee asked for support and resources I repurposed a contract that we already had planned to do so we repurposed something she was already doing for HRC to support the the ARAC. Thank you, Director Davis. Thank you, Enith. And I'm gonna give you the opportunity now to exit stage right. Um, <laughs> otherwise you'll be here most of the night. Yes. So thank you so much. We appreciate you. Oh, okay, thank you so much. Have a good evening. You too. Take Member care. Carter. Hello, everyone. Yeah, I just wanted to echo what, um, what commit, I'm sorry, I just left my commission meeting. <laughs> what, um, with what um, Mr. Taylor just said regarding, you know, the sensitivity in the neighborhoods, and I think um, it was kind of clarified, but yeah, just always um, um, being intentional about that, that this is a citywide thing, um, and it is a lot of sensitivity towards the impact that um, and the harm that, that was brought to all of um, the Black community in San Francisco as a whole. Thank you. Well, thank you, Member Carter. Member Brown. Uh, good evening, everyone. One of the questions I was wondering as a query, is it possible um, for us to look at um, as resources are gained and we, we continue on with this with this, uh, with this this fight, um, that possibly we could use um, different policies as a query. For instance, the war on drugs or um, different um, city policies and how that have may have may ha how that may change the way the the um we it's con the harm is conceptualized um i think it's extremely intelligent for us or extremely i think it's going to be successful for us to figure out how to calculate the harm and then also uh, um have a visual for the community to be able to visualize as we're campaigning about reparations, but also if there's a way, because I think we also have to use this as a way to teach folks, right? Because I think there's this, we have to, we have to remove this, uh, what I would consider a barrier for folks' obliviousness about how Black people have been impacted in San Francisco. Um, because San Francisco, we have to really be conscious of San Francisco's perception to the world of being this liberal city. Um, and so I think part of what we have to really make clear for everyone is that San Francisco is a sanctuary city for everybody but Black people. And so if we could use this tool to be able to say, these are the policies that caused the harm, and here's how it has impacted us economically, I think that helps us um, demonstrate for folks the actual harm that we have experienced and that maybe isn't necessarily publicized and associated with the brand of San Francisco. So that's just something I was thinking about as we've been um, having this conversation. Thank you so much, Member Brown. Member Ekonim. I, I can't agree more. Um, our initial intent was to start just with one parcel 
Um, and that happened to be the Fillmore. And then as we got more resources, more budget, we would actually expand that out to redevelopment and a lot of the other sort of policy decisions that have been made all across the city. So this wasn't a one and done, right? But we had to sort of choose a start point to then be sort of go ahead and build upon. And our hope is once we do get additional resources and would need sort of committee um, help on that um, to really sort of do the additional work of outlining the shipyard and all the OMI and all the other areas, Visitation Valley, et cetera, that have been impacted um, negatively. In addition to Treasure Island, I think that that's a, a major one that, that we have to sort of also incorporate um, in, into this tool and or our thinking sort of moving forward. Thank you, Member Ekonom. Any other comments or questions from Member Brown? Sorry, so there's this whole phenomenon of artificial intelligence. And I know there are different um, technology companies that are using this. Um, I'm in workforce and this is one of the newest tools that people are looking at, but I think it would be interesting if we're able to be creative with the queries to be able to see if artificial intelligence could help us almost um, query if new policies that the city is working on um, will have an impact, a negative economic impact on Black people in the future as well, because I think this is also how we get um, inundated with information and different policies. I don't know how you guys vote, but like, if I don't have a, um, if I don't have a guide I barely can understand what the ballot is saying, right? And so when these different policies come out, sometimes we could think that we're having something, we're, we're, we're creating a positive impact for our communities. And, but when it comes out, we don't necessarily know. But I know artificial intelligence has the capacity to kind of like um, quantify and analyze data and for us to put in a filter, hey, is this policy going to help black people or hurt black people? Is this is is this is this really going to uh, um, uh, and 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 how much so that we could actually understand and and really understand the leverage? Um, all these different things that are happening, we don't necessarily have a clear idea of how it impacts us how it has impacted us in the past and how it's going to impact us in the future. So I think this could also be something that um, we have opportunity to utilize technology to um, help us better understand how policies and events uh, impact Black people in San Francisco specifically economically. Thank you so much, Member Brown. Any other comments or questions from committee members before we move to public comment? Director Davis, I'm going to ask you a question in just a moment. Okay, hearing none. Just curious, based upon those last comments, it made me think of or about rather um, Black Futures Lab um, and what they're doing in the context of kind of voter education imp imp impacts on um, Black folks, obviously not just in San Francisco, but in terms of their, their work. So um, one of the things that Brittany has been helping with and has pushed <laughs> up, we have um, reached out to, and as folks know, did ask folks to fill out the census and have been trying to coordinate and organize with that. And so the, the overlay between a lot of the, the work that's happening with um, even some of the things that Member Brown just mentioned, the, the Office of Racial Equity, folks may not know this, but each piece of legislation that gets introduced, they actually are required to review it and understand the policy impacts. Um, just so folks know, they do that, doesn't mean that the Board of Supervisors, when they get that, 
respond to it or respect it or acknowledge publicly that they got something that said, this will negatively impact poor people, homeless people, people of color. So just, just know that some of that's being done by humans, even though it may not um, be shared broadly. And then with regards to um, the Black Futures Lab, one of the things that we're doing is trying to get um, uh, Alicia Garza back out in February as a part of the Dreamkeeper Initiative uh, um, kind of evaluation assessment report that'll be released is to have her come back and really work with us to think about just those pieces. How are we understanding how policy is happening? Is there more that we can do to coordinate our learning, our knowledge to advance that work? And then the folks who are doing the report for the Dreamkeeper Initiative, HRNA, had proposed to develop a Black policy lab or a Black futures lab. And so those are the other pieces that as this body is thinking about some of the recommendations that you want to put forth or the things that are actually um, short-term short wins that we could do, those are things that potentially we could ask for funding for. Like one of the things that I have heard consistently is that, and that's not from any just one space or space, but that I've consistently heard is that the city shouldn't be paying people to organize against it. And so, but if this body, you know, advocates for, which I guess I shouldn't have said that, publicly, but if this body advocates for funding to actually shore up and create space for folks to say the system is broken and to advocate to, to change it, and if that requires using city dollars to do it, then so be it. So I think one of the challenges that we have here is that, um, you know, and this is something that we've seen in some of the evaluation pieces, is that what we already know is that the systems work against folks, um, but that the system doesn't want to pay to fix itself and it definitely doesn't want to pay people to say where it's broken and i think without those investments then the folks in charge continue to have the narrative and control the how we move that forward so i appreciate that maybe with ai it'll be easier for folks to accept and hear it than it is from real people i don't know but um we are trying to partner with alicia garza the black futures lab and those are dollars that we're leveraging from community partnerships but if this is something, you know, that could be something that this body could ask for that could be repurposed from city funding um, short term versus um, only being able to get it from private dollars. Thank you, Director Davis. All right, I'm going to move us to public comment at this time. So, uh, again, members of the community, if you would like to make a public comment on this item and this item being the migration mapping tool, um, we welcome your comments. Um, so please raise your electronic hand and um, Secretary Stewart will call on you and you will have three minutes to speak. Thank you. I see Cheryl Thornton's hand is up. Hi, good evening. Uh, okay, thank you. That was a um, wonderful presentation. But um, I have a question um, in regards to the data. Um, I'm wondering if from, um, you said going forward, this was just your first pass at um, putting information in, but being able to access um, the health data from the health department, um, we would be able to uh, get the records from the police department as far as what are the modalities in the neighborhoods? What do they really look like? Cause that also quantifies um, 
maybe we can apply other filters like income, all of that to build the story um, out and um, to show that um, visually. So um, I liked uh, member Brown's idea about querying um, through names like um, war on drugs. But when you dig down, if you drill down, hopefully there's a way to have reports from different departments that you can filter in to continue to um, build a story out. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to invite Kenneth Johnson to speak. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, thank you. I just wanted to thank you guys uh, for being here in the new year. You, you've been working hard and I just got want to say happy new year and happy Kwanzaa. I hope you had a great time. Now, I like what Sister Brown said and I think that you got all these colleges, city college, state college, and you got these young people who know how to do all that kind of stuff. And, and before you spend any money, I think it might be good to talk to the Black Students Union at those different places. One of you, one of y'all, you know, because you guys are officials and you, you know, you're with the committee, the, the reparations committee, so you got status. I think if you call Black Students Union at, at one of those colleges, maybe one of those students know how to do this kind of stuff, that uh, electronic, whatever you was talking about, but it sounded good. And, and uh, you know, we're in an electronic world, you know, so that's why you'll know, keep people going to school for that. So I think that's a good idea. And also think that, you know, some of these things need to put in that, be put in action because you got all these people coming over the border and you got the, the government spending all that money in that uh, war in Iran. So you, you, something needs to be, to be happening, you know, where, you know, you can see where, where everything is going, you know, and you need a lawyer, you need, uh, you can talk to the colleges too about getting a lawyer to see if, if everything we're talking about is within the law, you know, uh, you know, and you got all these, co these colleges around here, use some of them, you know? So I think y'all on the right, you, you're doing the right thing and all that, but it's a few things, a few things you could, you know, start right now and get other people involved without spending no money. So, you know, continue doing what you, you're doing. I hope I, what, what I said made sense to you. Okay, Thank bye. You. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'd like to call on Dr. Kirby Lynch. Okay. Good afternoon, uh, task force. Yes, my name is Dr. Kirby Lynch. I'm a geographer by trade and I do program evaluation. I'm actually gonna be some of the local talent supporting the mapping efforts uh, moving forward. Um, my actual dissertation was on redevelopment in San Francisco. I actually took a unique approach and I actually um, looked at the Castro district specifically and how there were rehabilitation grants uh, the gay community was given um, to redevelop land for free, right? Using veterans loans to get land for free and getting rehabilitation grants to remodel some of the Victorian homes for free. So for example, these are some of the policies that were given to other communities 
to make sure that they had economic stability and were able to make their own commercial districts. And, you know, we don't see a common or like a comparable policy for our community. So, you know, I am dedicated to getting this work up and going. And exactly, you know, the plan is to figure out how do we do integration of the community. The goal is to teach the community to do that mapping work. You know, that's why we get our education so we can, you know, reach back and give it back as well. So I'm really looking forward to just connecting with y'all and seeing how we can really get boots on the ground and getting community, um, you know, just empowered to to do our own analysis, do our own research, because, you know, we can really do this ourselves. I do just want to say, like, um, it all is super complicated. I always think about uh, Charles Harney, you know, the white man who was contracted um, to get Candlestick Park, you know, and this is a common narrative related to redevelopment that due to racially restrictive covenants, a lot of Black people couldn't purchase property or have eligibility to get mortgages at the scale that many white people were able to at the time. So in the case of Charles Harney, he was able to get Candlestick Park, pennies on a dollar, sit on that property, underdevelop that area, and then in the future pocket $16.5 million in today's value for you know his children and his family. And so these are specific examples of, again, uh, the opportunity costs, the fact that we were not able to have access to capital. And again, that relates to things today like the cannabis social equity program where cannabis entrepreneurs don't have access to loans to develop their businesses like their white counterparts who are taking equity from their tech stock to build their companies. So, you know, it's so complicated, but I do hope that we take seriously mapping and geography because the real estate market is responsible and should be the place we get a lot of our funding uh, for the reparation. So looking forward to working with you all. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry, Phyllis Bowie. Hi everybody, happy new year. Um, just like Mr. Johnson just said, and please, I've been trying to reach you, Mr. Johnson, please give me a call. Um, I really, really, really appreciate this mapping tool. I don't know if it was already stated, but where the resource that the facts that go into that, what that resource is. I also agree with all the previous callers that talked about making it a little more robust, if I could say, where it can categorize things in different areas, whether it be health, education, and being able to put a dollar amount to that. So this is short and sweet. I just want to say everybody doing a great job. I'm looking forward to the final report this year. And um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Rodana Williams. Yes, good evening, um, LaDonna Williams. I, you know, I've been participating in these meetings, pretty much trying to make all of the meetings that that we can to, you know, help inform folks who are just now coming up to speed on this. And just listening, I don't take anything away from you all. I know that you put in blood, sweat, and tears and a whole lot of effort. But I fear that we're running the risk of over trying the issue of reparations when I hear. Uh, Dr. Brown, and I love him to death because he's usually always on point, 
but to bring in more testimonies and more stories. And I, I know we can never tell enough stories because I have my own history with my ancestors, Elias Downing, being a 16 year old who was inducted into the war and then came back and all of his resources and our family's land was taken. We have those stories, but we've told them so much. People are, are, are it, you know, they, they're shell-shocked, but at the same time, it's like enough already. How do we get on with the, with the action of getting Black folks paid now? We need to see some movement and some checks coming through here now while we're figuring our way and mapping our way to reparations. For instance, with the Indians, they've been getting paid from day one with the government, yet they're able to basically pimp Black folks' issues as we're in this kind of together, yet they've been getting paid and we've been left on the outside looking in. Same thing with the Japanese. We're looking at them as a model where they got paid in 88. I think they did the process for, I don't know, maybe nine or 10 years. Yet, you know, we forget the fact that they made a choice to come here. Black folks were forced here and we built this country for free. Yet every interest that comes forward and, and we've said it till we're blue in the face with the Ukrainians and the Afghanistans and, and more money being paid to the Japanese. And now they're even coming, talking about comfort women where the Japanese is denying them comfort and money, but America is about to pay them reparations. And then we have this, you know, uh, uh, beach, Bruce's beach, that was a travesty where that's going back labeled as reparations but again, robbing black folks of our right to redress and money. Like, when do we stop all the talking and get on with it? We have the color of law who has traced and tracked a lot of this information that is readily available to us of the harm and the damage is done. At what point do we say, okay, hold on a minute, let's stop, let's pay folks, and then we can move forward with all these other things. Thank you. Thank you, um, Alicia Mayo. Ms. Mayo, you're muted, okay. Okay, good evening, everyone. Thank you to the task force. Thank you to uh, Ms. Williams and David for the presentation. Um, I'm asking for access to the tool because I'm attempting to build my own family case. I'm recording my family members, uh, their testimonies about their work-related experiences, their housing, their education and healthcare-related experiences where they felt um, like you know, something was taken from them, or they were not being considered, or you know, the treatment was unfair. They weren't approved, for, and all of that. You know, so I'm I'm building my own family case, and I suggest now, like I have before in the past, that we start recording our family members, ourselves, and our experiences as much as possible, so that we can possibly use this new tool to see some of it ourselves and to help the task force like Dr. Um, 
uh, Reverend Amos Brown suggested so that we can have our testimonies ready. Because I think that um, artificial intelligence is one thing, but it's still effective to have people testifying and, and making their um, making their experiences public. Um, also, the um, the last speaker Kirby, who talked about the uh, her dissertation work with housing and the Castro, um, and also with Mr. Taylor or Professor Taylor's perspective on how other communities can use it against us. I I'm not afraid. I don't have any fear about what somebody else is doing or thinking about us in this process because it is clear. And, and I love the representation of the color red because it is the blood that has been shed. And as it spreads across those maps, I think that is extremely effective. And then for them to see our faces and to hear our voices and to listen to old recordings and see old videotape or whatever it takes to make our cases, I think real life cases and testimonies are still the most effective approach. Um, my mom was not approved for a home loan. She owned a business in Union Square. We were displaced from a, an old Victorian by two gay men who had their businesses and their ideas about moving into that Victorian. So there I was with my two little brothers and my mother who owned a business and paid taxes being displaced in Fillmore. So it's real. And I, I, I think it, I just want to say thanks. Yes. Thank you. Mo McNeely. Um, good evening, everybody. Um, just wanted to say Happy New Year to the um, task force. Um, I also wanted to, when we we're talking about data, I also wanted to talk about um, monies that were like siphoned from Black communities. So it wasn't even just the fact that they were displaced. They were also like um, stripped of resources. Um, and so um, having those much needed resources like taken out of schools and also just paying taxes for facilities that um, our folks couldn't use like pools and didn't and segregated schools. Like that's also like ways you ways that I think would be helpful. Um, I also wanted to talk about um, how um, immigration has impacted Black wealth equality. Um, that's also a way in which like San Francisco contributes to this illusion. I think um, Gigi Brown talked about it earlier about um, San Francisco being a sanctuary city for everyone except for us. And um, I just wanted to say that um, the, uh, that this city likes to use immigration to displace us and use um, folks who are coming into this country as a buffer class um, to take resources from our community to um, displace folks out of, out of the, the historically black communities in San Francisco. Um, that like that, that is kind of how insidious the city is like when it when it does that through immigration like that like we're a sanctuary city because it uses 
um, immigrants who are seeking sanctuary to displace the folks that have been here, uh, the um, Black Americans specifically who have been here, which brings me to my last point. I read the task force recommendations. And again, I still think that reparations for San Francisco should be lineage-based, meaning the descendants of American chattel slavery, however you want to put that. When you look at the recommendations, it's still like, it's still not, it just still doesn't say that. So again, lineage-based reparations. I don't know if it's too late to change the task force recommendations, but I really, really, really implore the task force to change it to lineage-based reparations because San Francisco does this thing with um, using immigration as a tool of displacement. So thank you very much, task force. Thank you. Um Joel, just before you call on the next speaker, just want to remind um, remaining speakers, um, the comment, public comment at this moment is on the item we're on, which is the migration tool. All the comments obviously are relevant to the overall work, um, but we need I need to ask you to um, contain your comments in this moment to the mapping tool. The next item, item three, will be general public comment, and that's where you can speak to um, other points of, of interest. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'd like to invite Larry Martin to speak. A happy new year, everyone. Um, yeah, the, um, the mapping tool. Um, you know, I was thinking, you know, everything is fine with the technical stuff, you know, education. That's part of the education now. I understand. I'm a student. And, uh, you know, I was talking to my cousin. We was talking about this and, and reparations and stuff. But at the same time, we cannot afford to get distracted on our for our, on our own, you know, for our, for our real main goal. And I still uh, speak about unity as a people. You know, I know education is very important, and that's going to be very vital as far as bringing us closer together to deal with the forces of white supremacy that's at stake that we're dealing with. But um, as far as the tool, yeah, I promote and advocate for uh, higher education when it comes down to technical stuff that's related. But at the same time, at the same time, I truly believe that we must come together as a people and eliminate all of the divisions that they create and we create, you know, technically, socially, you know what I'm saying? So I think my... I think it's very important for us to don't get distracted because that's what I, that's what my cousin told me. She got a master's from Howard University, and you know I conversate with her a lot, you know. And she said that we cannot let the forces that be use this reparation or the mapping tool as a device for or uh, for division or distraction. So we must stay focused on the goal, and that's and that's. Something that they don't want us to do is work together, live together, love each other. You know what I'm saying? Those are things that they despise us. They hate to see a black man and a black woman to united together in harmony. You know what I'm saying? And so that's that's going to be my um, message. It's going to always be my message is that unity is the key for our success. You know what I'm saying? And uh, 
if we incorporate these mapping tools that's going to uh, help that process, then, then so be it. But at the same time, let's be mindful that the, that the enemy is always trying to find ways that to keep us divided, to keep us distracted. You know what I'm saying? And it's real. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I really wanted to share. So y'all keep up the keep up the hard work and, and keep doing what you're doing because I'm on your side. I ain't I ain't against you. I'm with you. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Thank you. And next is Yanan Burrell. Good evening, beautiful people. Thank you so much for the draft plan that you submitted to the Board of Supervisors. One of the comments I wanted to suggest with the mapping tool, and I know we are in those very, very, very early stages. As someone who grew up in San Francisco in the Bayview Hunters Point area since I was eight years old and watched all that has happened even to this day, one of the things to potentially consider, and the gentleman did mention it earlier when we talk about the wealth, to also consider the trajectory of the wealth. So we knew at that time, in the, whether it was the 80s or the 70s and, and 90s, that wealth was X number. Now, if there was an opportunity for us to still be there, to still have developed and still be in those homes and develop economically in our businesses, that wealth today has a different number. And to consider that when we're thinking about the mapping, and I know this is a very broad and first look at what that mapping tool will look like. I know it will have many, many, many layers. And to consider that wealth piece being across a timeline, because absolutely it has grown as many of us know today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next is Raina Jackson. All right, thank you. Yeah, I just want to um, uh, applaud the the committee and the task force on on um, you know taking leadership in this area. Um, and I wanted to know just kind of what um, kind of exchange there is like between um, like the California task force and let's say reparations in Illinois and things like that. Like how are um, are we working together to kind of get, kind of get these best practices going? Like, are they using similar tools, or you know, it's um, are we the furthest along, or is anyone else, you know, as um, as far along with just making progress? I just um, wanted to know, you know, more more about that. And that's it. Thank you. I'd like to call Jeffrey Greer. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Well, he's back. Happy New Year. I just wanted to say, um, you know, what uh, the young lady who I think was the public speaker number two or three, um, what she said was very on point. And that is we have technology. It's very useful. I'm very happy that everybody put that together. But if that's getting in the way of the check, then that's got to go too. That's all I have to say. I relinquish the rest of my time. Thank you. And the next person I see is Alyssa Jones Gardner. 
Um, good evening. Um, so I, have, I will try to be as quick as possible. I have three points and a suggestion. Um, the first um, point um, in regards to locating information for the shipyard workers, because again, I saw that there was, maybe it was kind of left out, but it's neither here nor there. Um, Pre-1940s, Black employees, um, a majority of Black employees that were unable to get housing um, in the city had to stay on the shipyard base, usually in barracks. Um, and the way it was set up was very much like slave shacks. Um, they were very hazardous. Um, there were deaths linked to that. But again, because that information is tied to the U.S. Navy, you'll probably need a Freedom of Information Act um, request to obtain that information so that you can have a full, complete list of the Black shipyard workers. Okay, um, let's see the next point. Um, also, I think we're kind of limiting our scope as far as what laws and policies we're looking at. Um, there was something called the Ugly Laws. It was a series of ordinances um, that were enacted in San Francisco in the late 1800s to regulate the behavior of people with disabilities. Um, they stated that those that were deemed unsightly or improperly dressed um, could be arrested at any time. And this was in effect from about 1867 to 1975. And it disproportionately impacted Black people, specifically Black people with, dis with disabilities um, who were targeted and arrested under these laws. Now, if we um, keep that in mind when we're looking at um, like the redevelopment agency and policies developing who could um, inhabit public housing, if you have an arrest record, you're not allowed to be in public housing. Um, so this further added to the displacement of Black people. Um, the third point was regarding using AI um, to evaluate policies. There are a number of open source or free software programs that we could use um, for that um, particular project as far as evaluating policies that would adversely harm or impact Black people. Um, one of them is through um, OpenAI. Um, what we would need to do is basically feed that, um, that program a list of all known policies and procedures that have been proven to adversely impact Black people. And it would use that as to set parameters in evaluating future policies and procedures. And um, furthermore, you could also create um, an AI platform that could develop policies and procedures without biases um, inherently built into them. Um, and my last statement is kind of in response to Sister um, LaDonna, um, to her frustration with um, the length of the process and how- I'm sorry, um, I'm sorry, that's three minutes. Thank you very much though. So Chair McDonald, I don't see any other members of the public who have their hands up at the moment. Clint saying non-public comment is now closed on this item. Thank you all for your comments. Um, we can move then to item number three. Thank you. The next item is item number three, general public comment. This is a discussion item. Members of the public may address the committee on matters that are within the committee's jurisdiction and are not on today's agenda. And Chair McDonald, could you please open public comment? Public comment is now open. Uh, please raise your electronic hands if you haven't already. 
and we would be happy to call on you. Thank you. Um, so uh, comment will be three minutes, just as the last one. And I see Kenneth Johnson with his hand raised. Yeah, hi. Uh, I think the sister who just spoke about uh, AI, she should follow through. It seems, seems like she know how to do that. You should, you know, contact one of the board members there and, and set that up and go ahead and do it, you know. Uh, uh, and um, let's see, uh, I wrote something down here when I can. Oh, mapping, having this, something to do with mapping and, and collaboration. Uh, uh, well, let me, I think what would be the a good thing to do is open up that Fillmore Heritage Center and whatever is wrong with it, set up a training program where you can staff some of them youth in the community from the housing or, or wherever that's interested in how to fix up whatever needs to be done. We got all these union halls in the city and they can have a apprenticeship program where the youth from the film or learn how to do the carpentry work, if it's need carpentry work, electronic, fix the elevator, whatever is needed, get a, a union or, or somebody who fixes elevators, have them train the youngsters how to fix elevators or whatever. Just get that film or heritage center up and running it's, it's, it needs a little work now, but get some community in there to fix it up, to get it running, to get it up and running, because the longer it stays idle, the pot, the pipes are rotting in the, in the, this, I mean, it's bad not to use something and, and not repair it, you know, so we have that, that building is there in, 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 in the community, vacant, open up that building, you know, have it as a training program while you're fixing it up. You know, I mean, you got all these unions in the city to fix it. Anything that's needed to be done in that building, you got a union, and all you got to do is have the mayor or or, or sister uh, sister uh, 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 Davis to talk, contact the unions. And they'll set up a training program for the community people to go in there and learn how to do this. And maybe they might like doing it. And then they, they got a skill. They didn't learn a skill. So it's a lot of stuff y'all can do right now, you know, instead of keep on planning all these meetings. They got all these uh, reports. Now you're talking about another report. You got all these damn reports in your you know, I mean, the, the community looking at you, what the hell are you going to do? You're building right there, just set, set up some kind of program, send them youngsters exactly. in there, at least it's open. That's, that's time. Thank you. LaDonna Williams? Yes, um, LaDonna Williams again. I um, was just wondering if the committee here has gotten together with the California Task Force uh, to address the misinformation that has been allowed to really uh, just take priority that uh, priority messaging 
that California and San Francisco is recommending $223,000 per person. I believe it was Dr. Brown who said, wait a minute, no, that is not true. We did not put out an amount. Yet when you hear the community folks, folks are just really tired and they are very disappointed. And, and I don't know what you guys hear, but definitely we're in the community and we hear the disappointment in this process where everybody is saying, see, we told you this thing is set up to fail. And it's because a lot of misinformation is out there. Folks don't even recognize that there is going to be a city local process and a state process of reparations and that San Francisco is going to be uh, recommending $5 million per person, hopefully if we stick with it, and ongoing payments. Folks think that, wait a minute, how did they come up with this amount? Here again, they're throwing us under the bus. They are not uh, servicing those of us whose lineage is uh, based with those who have been enslaved, who has continued to be discriminated against, and what this reparations is supposed to represent. Folks are totally confused. The messaging is not getting out there to dispel what the New York Times put out there, which is erroneous information. And I really think some effort needs to be from the committees to dispel that. We've been trying to do this within our communities and you know, our little small platforms, we are addressing this issue, but we need to hear from you all on this issue as well. And again, we cannot say it enough. There needs to be some payments put forward while all of these meetings are going on, we cannot continue to see other groups, non-Black folks come in and get uh, their issues of supposed, and I call it fabricated harm, put ahead of Black folks. We've allowed that to keep continuing. At what point does it stop? And again, we should all be concerned that they are calling this Bruce Beach settlement a model for reparations. This white woman representative have been able to say, this is a model for reparations. No, it isn't. This is more of the same of black folks, land and property being robbed right before their eyes and right up under them. Yet we sit quiet and we need to hold accountable both Sawyer Jones and uh, representative Bradford who is on the California task force, who sat back and watched this injustice happen. Like folks, we need to be heard. Thank you, Ms. Williams. Mo McNeely. Hello again. Um, I just wanted to reiterate for my last comment. Last time, um, that the criteria for reparations in San Francisco does not, does not read lineage-based. And I think that is a problem. I uh, myself have gone to many spaces where I've listened um, and I've also just done research as to why that is a problem. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to get you to understand that when you do, when you just have anybody who identifies as black. Um, trying to uh, claim reparations, that that's going to be a future problem um, that I just don't want for, for it to all fall back on the task force. And uh, then again, on the, on, in San Francisco in general. Um, and so I just really, again, really am asking and like pleading the task force to please change 
the requirement that you are a descendant of American chattel slavery, that you are, your lineage is of freedmen or descendant of chattel slave, however that language needs to be, that is something that needs to happen. Um, And I will land my plane. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to call on Dennis Williams, please. Can you hear me? I was having technical difficulties. Yes, we can hear um, you. Happy New Year's, everyone. Happy Kwanzaa. Um, let me see. I say we need millions now, just like uh, Reverend Amos Brown always says. We need finances now, just like the um, Miss Williams just spoke earlier. Thank you, Gwen Brown. Uh, thank you, Caller Kirby. Excellent opinions. I'm with you. Um, let's see. It's sad that our black, our two black powerful leaders of the city, is not more vocal for us, representing us on the front lines publicly, not behind closed doors. Um, and looking into more funding and finding more funding will only waste more time, in my opinion. As like you said, we've had enough meetings. We all know that all these other groups are being paid and we are sitting there um, doing more talking. Even President Biden now says he wants to pay Africans, African nations before even black Americans. So that tells you something right now. They don't want our people to have uh, what's rightfully are. Um, everyone has been paid. Like I said, border uh, stop Latinos just a few years ago were given 422,000 for the separation of their children and to return home to the Latin, uh, Latin um, nations, countries, whatever. Um, but black families have been destroyed for the last, what, four decades from the foster care system. Were we ever compensated? Are we going to be compensated is a question. Um, the real estate policies, uh, past and present, need to be um, looked over with a fine tooth comb as the exclusion from future gener generational wealth opportunities, excuse me, is at hand as we are losing um, our redevelopment funding from Sunnydale all the way to Petrail Hill, back to Fillmore and in the Bayview. Um, policies such as the Fillmore, re, re, excuse me, Fillmore revitalization has to be looked into that it, how it helped Chinese and wealthy um, whites in recent times become new millionaires in the Fillmore and District 5 and how it does nothing for the blacks of Fillmore all the way down the Fillmore corridor as we talk all the time and Mr. Landry and others. Uh, let's see, Black Wall Street, this is important, just paid wall, paid homage to a Mr. William, I don't want to butcher his name, but you can look him up. He is Dorf. Oh, there we go, there we go. <laughs> was one of the founding fathers of San Francisco, was at one time one of the richest, if not the richest person in San Francisco, that was 1848. He built the first hotel, which is the City Hotel, you can look him up, he's buried um, at Mission Dolores. But his wealth was stolen by uh, Joseph Folsom with the help of SF government. Uh, and they even gave Mr. Folsom a street as you still see Folsom Street today. So we still have things right in our face, even John Herman Plaza who displaced uh, the Fillmore and destroyed Victorians. This stuff is still uh, uh, right in our face and we're not doing anything about it. And we can start there. So we want money now. Reverend Amos Brown, we're with you. Thank you, Mr. Williams. Phyllis Bowie. Hi, everybody. This is Phyllis Bowie. Um, I want to first say that I'm continuing my 
idea in my strategy for urgency. Um, I'm going to continue saying that. I believe that I, I know that this, this task force and committee can't do everything. One of the things that was happening that I don't see happening anymore is marketing. When we talk about misinformation that gets around our community, I'm in the community too, we talk about it. One of the misnomers is that reparations equals payment, equals cash payment. I want this committee urgently, I'm pleading to spend more time on solutions, more times on what our demands actually are that literally can happen the day that we put the report in. I appreciate all the research. I appreciate it. I don't believe that we need to convince people anymore that even starting as far as the founder of San Francisco in the 1800s, um, that horrible things have happened to us. But there's a level of how do we get paid for education? How do we get paid for health? And it's not always through a cash amount of money. So it's really important that we right now start doing that outreach and that marketing. What happened to that? I, what happened to that? That was something that I was wanting to get involved with, where we do radio, where we ha where we can quell this uh, undergrounding rumor and frustration of Black people to really educate them of what the committee is doing and what our aim is. And reparations is not just a cash payout. It's much, much more than that. Thank you. And I, I don't want to be whining or anything because you guys are doing a great job. But please, can I want to hear more about what are some of the possible demands of what they can do as far as tax relief, uh, loan relief, whatever, whatever it is. It's a, it's a multitude of things in every area. Um, once again, I appreciate everything you're doing. But please, I beg you the urgency to start talking about, at the same time, more research, but start talking about quantitative, actual things to for reparations, not just a money payout. Thank you. Thank you. Alyssa Jones Garner. Yes, thank you. Um, I, I first agree wholeheartedly with Phyllis. We definitely need to be looking at other avenues of redress outside of a monetary payment because um, in actuality with the harm that's being done to the black community is still happening. When we're looking at reparations and redress, the way it's been done is after a harm is committed, then payment is given to the harmed party. We should be seeking reparations in perpetuity because the policies, the institutions that have created that harm, that have built the structures that continue to abuse and harm Black people, Black bodies is still in place. It's still happening every single day. And at large, no one seems to be thinking of a way to change those institutions. Um, and there may not be a way to change existing institutions because they were founded explicitly to harm us. Um, so in formulating a plan, we need to be thinking in perpetuity. And that's how it needs to be couched. A one-time payment for continual harm does not send the message that the harm needs to stop. If you're forced to pay every time you harm a Black person financially through their education, through health care, then maybe they'll be encouraged to stop harming us. Um, that's one. And last, um, I'd like to respond to Sister LaDonna, who brought up an excellent point. Many other groups have and are continuing to get reparations before us. Um, 
And many of those groups have received it because they have the one thing that we will never have, and that is a white representative. White people are indifferent to the suffering of black people because they cannot see themselves in our plight. And all of those other groups do have someone that looks similar enough to them to make them think, God, if this happened to me, I, want, I would want someone to help. I would want someone to make that stop. So that's just one of the, one of the hurdles we'll have to overcome. Um, I definitely agree that we do need to be doing a lot more marketing of this um, and getting ahead of the narrative that's being um, portrayed um, nationwide regarding the need for reparations and exactly how it's going to help and benefit our community and not harm others, because that is the message that by providing reparations to Black people, we will invariably harm other communities in doing so. Thank you. Thank you. And I see Alyssa May, uh, sorry, Alicia Mayo. Okay. Hello, everybody. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Thank you. Okay, great, great. Thank you. Thank you again to the task force and the committee and everybody working hard to build the case for reparations in San Francisco. I can only imagine how much work it's involving. We are asking for a lot. And me, myself particularly, I don't expect it to happen overnight. It's been a, a more than a year already, but we've come a long way. And I feel like we're getting closer and closer to the date when we submit the beginning of our ask. I feel like it's just around the corner, but maybe another visual visual uh, tool might help people uh, during this process of marketing and sharing information about the process in San Francisco, maybe a clear timeline where we started, where we're at uh, might be helpful um, to have during my live stream conversations that I will start to have beginning this month to talk about San Francisco's reparations uh, work and where we're at and where we're trying to go. I'm offering up my, um, my live stream platform and my time on Clarity Media to help with the marketing and um, at no cost, it won't cost to do it. So I'm offering to do that. But um, I also wanna say that my grandmother passed away this Monday, this past Monday, and she was 94 years old and they still own the home on Thomas Street, San Francisco. But I have to now figure out what's going on with the taxes on the property and to make sure that the city can't take it up from under the family now that um, grandma's gone, my grandfather's gone, and I may in fact have to come out of my own pocket with some money to try and save the house. And what does that mean for me? I work, you know, for a nonprofit in the city, a Black-owned nonprofit, and so my income is limited. And so here I am being faced with the possibility of losing the family home. Um, and so that's a harm that continues that will continue to happen. That's a reality for me and a reality for a lot of other folks still. And I'm struggling to pay my own lease, you know, so imagine 
just how things can unfold for me at 57 years old after losing my grandmother now. So that's it. I, I'm here for it, here to do the work. I know you all are too, but things are still happening as we speak. Thank you. Jeffrey Greer. Okay, can you hear me? Hello? Hello, yes. Hello? Oh, oh, okay. Uh, no, I just wanted to kind of, um, I wanted to echo a couple speakers and I also wanted to, to uh, speak on a statement I heard that we're asking for a lot. And we're not asking for a lot. In fact, they should be very lucky that this is all we're asking for. Um, and the fact that, you know, somehow there seems to be a, a distinguishing line between a cash payout and services in perpetuity, all of that needs to happen. And as a matter of fact, they need to make a cash payment yesterday because I don't know about you. I don't believe them. Uh, no good faith. They need to show a measure of good faith and the powers that be do not understand anything but cash. So they need to make a cash down payment to initiate a conversation on what services will be issued to black people in perpetuity. That's the path I'm on. And um, hopefully people understand it. It's not either or it's all. That is all. I relinquish the rest of my time. Thank you. And I would like to call on Jamil Patterson. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Cool, cool. Um, I think uh, we have to bring more attention to our community. You know, in Baby Hunters Point, Filmo, Lakeview, St. Elbert, Trail Hill, Reparations is not, uh, it's the farthest thing from our people's mind. And I know without community pressure, it's gonna be easy for that board to, to basically, you know, say no. I mean, it's already a different board from the board that originally voted on. And I tell you, nothing happens for us unless we apply pressure. That's what history says. And whether people are bigoted or not, I think a lot of them are bigoted. But when we're together, we wind up forcing their hand. We make it hard for them to say no when we come out. So we have to get the word out. A lot of, a lot of the people on the board, they're gonna vote to where the leverage is. If our community don't show up, then it's gonna be easy for them to say no. Right now, we got a lot of pieces in place, but you got people gotta realize uh, the mayor is just one person. Shaman Walton is just one person. Uh, and then without the community, what is that? But with the community, they can be stronger. So, I think we got to do more to get the word out. Use our rappers. You know, this stuff should be in the baby newspaper. <laughs> you know, we, we, we got to start using our outlets and our pieces, you know, get Stunning Man to make a song about it. 
this should be on the minds of our teenagers to our young adults. Because, uh, you know, like today, you know, the, the, the dynamics of the board just changed. You know, so um, I always feel like majority of the people are, are bigoted, but people are fickle. And, you know, people aren't, aren't, aren't all that tough. You know, when 30 black people show up, they get scared anyway. So we can't be afraid to, like, use the strength of our community to, you know, to, to, to really show that leverage. So I think political, that kind of political science is going to be necessary. We're going to have to think, you know, which, which, which of the board is going to vote differently now. When this is proposed, with that, I'm, I'm gonna land my plan. Thank you. I'd like to call on Cheryl Thornton. Good evening. Uh, so what I wanted to say is I wanted to echo what um, Dr. Kirby Lynch said about the real estate industry. They really are the architects of a social economic oppression. Um, Black people have not been allowed, we didn't have a land grant, we did not have um, the same ability to build generational wealth. Owning a home makes so much of a difference in stability and education in your whole entire life. And um, I think that after 400 plus years and all the reports and the reports that are still coming out, I looked at a report this week on the workforce development and black people in every category, we're still at the bottom for hourly wage, for promotional opportunities, for permanent employment. This is just one sector. We're not even talking about the private sector or any of the other areas of education and health. So I think like a lot of people said that how much more studying there, there's so there's a wealth of information, I guess, just maybe have to pull it together, but reparations shouldn't take another 25 or 30 years. And my other thing I want to say is not all of us are going to be able to um, benefit from the reparations in San Francisco, but we still will benefit because when we uplift the people who need uplifting the most, it'll make us all rise. And to that, I want to say housing. People are really in bad shape, Black people in San Francisco, we really need, they really need housing. A lot of housing is being taken away from people who are at the very, very bottom. They're threatened every day with um, the possibility of not having to be unhoused. And so to that, um, that's why we need reparations and we need it now. We don't need it five years from now. We don't even need it four years from now. We need it now because people are really hurting now. Thank you. Thank you. And Larry Martin. Yeah. Happy New Year once again. Um, from what I hear, from what I hear is um, I hear more pain. But, but the solution, the solution is back to where I was coming from as far as unity, because when Joy Floyd got murdered, we all came together and we demanded justice, you know. So from a, from a federal perspective, 
from a state perspective, from a local perspective, we can't depend on them to solve our solution. So that's why I keep saying over and over again, unity is the key for our success. Because if, the, if they're not gonna pass laws, if, they, if they're not gonna pass federal laws to keep them from killing us, then what do you think they're gonna do when, uh, when the stuff come over, over here that's going on from overseas, that's, that's going on in Europe? You know what I'm saying? So I keep saying this, I'm gonna say it until I die. We must come together because we'd be in a better position to deal with whatever come our way. You see what I'm saying? Because this country, we really is in an indirect war right now. You know what I'm saying? So when the shit blow, when the shit get bigger, are, are we prepared as a people to deal with what? we? Ain't, I ain't talking about reparations, but then again, I am talking about reparations because I'm talking about our lives is at stake. Living is at stake. You know what I'm saying? Defending our families is at stake. You know, everything is cool. We out here in Northern California doing our thing, right? But what if we have to bear arms and defend ourselves, defend mega black, defend the reparations task force. Have y'all ever thought about that? Are we prepared? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I just wanted to share that because I think what Jamil and what Cheryl said is very important. Unity is the key. We got to come together to deal with this situation. We can't depend on them anymore because if they really was on our side, which some of them are, but they would have passed these laws protecting our lives and they didn't do that. And I was really disappointed at that. You see what I'm saying? So they can... They can murder us and get away with it. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not going to go over time. Thanks for letting me share once again. Happy New Year. Thank you. And I see Raina Jackson. Okay, thank you. Yeah, um, I just wanted to kind of piggyback on what the brother was saying about just awareness. I think that the work that that you're doing, you know, that we're doing is great when you can just keep, keep, you know, moving forward with that. But at the same time, um, everybody needs to know what we're doing, you know, black and, and not black, but especially black to get, to get more of us to weigh in. Like, uh, I don't know what work's already being done, but I feel like we need a big, there needs to be some big media outreach, you know, um, like for example, I was watching the Fox, um, you know, soul, um, black report and, um, and last month they were talking about how Boston um, launched, uh, the council also launched some kind of task force or something on reparations. And I was like, okay, that was interesting to see, but you know, I don't know where else that, that is made available. You know what I mean? Or, or let's say on like the Griot um, show on Griot TV and um, the different black press in terms of like black enterprise upscale you know, I don't know how much work has already been done, but it just, it seems like it needs to be stepped up, you know, even more, just so more of our people understand what's going on and we can speak to it. And then of course, to, you know, put pressure on the powers that be and, you know, get on the Joy Reid show, get on in a MSNBC, get on, you know, um, these different um, shows that a lot of people watch that, you know, black people who are really 
um, really, you know, really concerned about the community, you know, will will be likely to want to talk to us and and hear what what we have going. And so, I just really think it's it's time to to step up the awareness um, in addition to the policy work. And I'm um, relinquishing my remaining time. Thank you. And Chair McDonald, I do not see any more hands raised. Thank you so much. Seeing none, then public comment is now closed on this item. Thank you, members of community, for your comments. Uh, we'll now move to item number five. Thank you. The next item on the agenda is the chair report. This is the, a discussion item. Thank you so much. And I will uh, offer this brief report on behalf of myself and Vice Chair Hollins who doesn't have voice literally um, for it tonight. So um, appreciate her contribution as well. Um, just wanna just confirm for folks that um, <clears throat> uh, on behalf of the committee on December 23rd, the Economic Rights Division of HRC submitted um, our draft reparations plan to the Mayor's Office, Board of Supervisors, and Commissioners of the Human Rights Commission. Um, wanna give a big shout out and thanks to staff to work to finalize the edits and integrate all the contributions of committee and public into the report. Um, thank you to the members, um, certainly for your contributions and guidance to staff in writing. And then thank you to the public for all of the feedback throughout the process. Um, already a number of committee members as well as members of the public um, have requested amendments to some of the recommendations and eligibility requirement. And so there will be a process whereby we want to incorporate um, the um, requested um, ideas and recommendations in a streamlined way so that at our next meeting um, on February 13th, we can agendize amendments so that the committee can vote on any changes that will be made. And so our goal is to make sure that all the update, all the updates, excuse me, are made with transparency. Uh, and um, again, all folks have eyes on all the shifts and changes. And ultimately we take uh, a vote. And so what will come next then um, is really centers much of what much of the public comment was focused on tonight, which is an uh, which is the advocacy necessary. Um, to see the adoption of the recommendations. And so HRC staff will begin to work to set meetings with members of the board, uh, supervisors to discuss the plan um, and, and then also schedule a hearing um, about the report. And just as a reminder, the board must formally accept, amend or reject the draft plan. And we want to schedule that sooner rather than later. And so we're inviting members of the public to join us uh, in our advocacy efforts and beginning to reach out to the board members and to advocate for reparations. As was said during public comment, um, it is going to require um, the, the masses, if you will, um, to bring voice and advocacy into this effort in order to see adoption uh, of the recommendations from beginning to end. Um, the subcommittee leads are going to meet on the 19th uh, to begin to kind of structure it, at least give directional um, intentions around the broader advocacy plan, certainly in board, in community, um, talk about things like, again, what was addressed during <clears throat> public comment, um, marketing um, both 
big M and small M and all the ways in which we need to get word into community, certainly beginning with Black community and then beyond, as we're going to need advocates from almost every community to bring their voice into this as allies. So you have you can look forward to that um, being shared out as we develop those plans. Lastly, just want to, as we all, we're a week away from MLK celebrations. Um, I just put in the chat a link to the NorCal MLK Foundation's um, site. It has all of the um, upcoming events, so I won't um, name them all, um, but I will call out two of them. One, um, on the 13th, uh, the MLK Celebration of Freedom, Justice, and Beloved Community, the Herbst Theater. If you haven't, I know tickets are going fast, so if you haven't secured your tickets, I want to encourage you um, to do that. And then secondly, after the march, um, the uh, MLK, the organizing committee has determined that the program that will take place following um, the march will center reparations. And so we're working on a presentation um, for that segment at one o'clock on the 16th after the march. So certainly invite folks to come and support that at the Yerma Buena Garden. So um, with that, that is our report. Thank you. And so we're going to go to um, <clears throat> public comment, and then we'll come back to committee discussion. So uh, if you would like to make public comment or share public comment on the chair's report, uh, please raise your hand, uh, and we would be happy to call on you. And again, I want to remind you that this is public comment on the report. Uh, we'd actually please stay focused on that. Thank you. Thank you. And... The first hand I see up is Kenneth Johnson on this agenda item. Could you unmute Mr. Johnson, please? I, I, I'm sorry, I was, I'm sorry, I was talking to my son. Okay, take care, Ken, bye-bye. Yeah, I, I wanted to just say that uh, uh, you guys are doing a great job, but get something you know that tangible like uh uh you know opening up the Fillmore Heritage Center and putting some youngsters you know in there to fix up the place you know under the 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 auspices of of a training program you got the uh you know that training program they got in Hunters Point where they build houses uh I forget it's the sister that's over it. It used to be. And uh, Mr. I think Johnson, I'm so sorry, but this is uh, supposed to be about the chair's report, the comments in this section. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The chair, chair's report was. Uh, I, I was talking to my son. I forgot what I was going to say. Did I write it down? Uh, anyway, uh, you, 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 the, the chair, you guys are doing a great job, but just get something done now. You know, so that's all I, I, I got to say. Just, uh, Thank you, Mr. Johnson. You know, something else to see, can see that it makes sense. Uh, shit, I was talking to my son. Let's see, what did I write down? Is there a way to... Oh, is there a way to get a copy of the... Uh, uh, a copy of what you guys submitted to the mayor's office. Hello? 
Is there a way to get a copy of that? Hello? Yes, sir. Yes. For, for everyone's benefit, yes, the, the report is on the HRC website that anyone can access. HRC website that anyone can access. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, Catherine Campbell. Hello. Can you all hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you. Oh, great. Wonderful. Um, I just wanted to, well, good evening to everyone. Uh, uh, but I wanted to uh, ask Eric, who is uh, working on the Martin Luther King? That's the only question I have because you just, uh, you know, mentioned it. So I wanted to know who's, who is that? How can I contact the, that group? So we will put some information into the chat. In the chat? Okay, thank you. All right, Ms. Campbell is, um, thank you. Yeah, Lizana, I'm done. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, Lozana Williams? Yes, I couldn't remember the um, other commenter's name, but she kept pushing um, the issue of lineage that wasn't in the report. And I agree. When I looked at it, I thought initially there was an agreement that there, that there would be uh Ms. williams i'm uh, sorry yes. to i'm sorry to interrupt you but again public comment needs to focus on the agenda item that we're on at the time okay so isn't the agenda item item the report that you all just submitted to the city no no the agenda item is my report i just gave oh okay well then i'm confused and and i think part of uh part of what would help us not be confused is if these agendas can come out early when you send out the Zoom uh, invites for us to get on, we're having to ask for these agendas when the meeting starts. So it doesn't give us a lot of time to go through it to even absorb and be able to make some, you know, um, comments that, that are informed. So I would appreciate getting the agenda earlier. So if this is your report, I guess I'm confused. I thought I heard you guys say that this was a report that was being presented to uh, the Board of Supervisors, so I apologize. Thank you. Yes, the, um, the chair just gave a report for this portion of the meeting. And so um, this is all, all of this commentary should be focused on that. Um, okay, Phyllis Bowie. Hi, thank you for pronouncing my name. I appreciate you. Um, uh, this is definitely to the report that was just said. Thank you so much. I think we all agree, and in your report, you stated it, that getting the information out there, we're going to need not only our community, we're going to also need other communities. My question is, right now, as it relates to the process with the board, either accepting this draft or not, I know it's only 30 days or something. There needs to be something now so the community knows that we need to rally. And rallying means just simply sending emails to say we support this. That should be happening now. So once again, 
the urgency I had, and it's about marketing. It's about getting information out there. It's about allowing people who are in the community to even say, hey, did you hear? Yeah, I heard it because I know it's in the, the Bayview paper. I heard it on KPOO. I heard it in the grocery store. It's really, really important that we do that now. And I love the one sister who said into perpetuity. All of this needs, this information needs to come out now, not only cash, but what we're doing, including right now, the board has the authority to accept or not accept, and we need to rally. Everybody needs to be rallying too to let the board know we're serious and we're unified, like the brother said, all of those things. And thank you. I relinquish my minute and 33 seconds. <laughs> thank you. Leva Shepard. Hi, I just want to say Happy New Year's to everyone. Happy Kwanzaa, um, you know, whatever it is that, that you celebrate to the board. Thank you guys so much. You are truly, truly appreciated. Everything that you do and put forward is not being taken for granted for one minute. And everybody for being on here, um, chairperson, I just know that everybody is working so hard on this. It just came to mind to me just right now that, you know, with the Million Man March, you know, maybe we need to have a Million Black March. If after, you know, we didn't put it in the chair report, we didn't took all the necessary steps, we didn't dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's and did everything. And at the end of the day, it's still, you know, not happening. To me, I think like that may be what we have to do. And, you know, like um, everyone else is mentioning unity together and um, just coming together, you know, and so, Ms. Shepard, my, my apologies. Really appreciate certainly your support and engagement. Again, we want to ask you to keep your comments focused on the agenda item that we're on, which is which is the chair's report. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for, um, you know, your your report. And yeah, I, I don't have nothing <laughs> nothing much more to say. I'm frustrated as hell. That's what I was saying. I know I'm not alone. All right. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Dennis Williams. Okay, I'll be brief. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, about your report, um, sir, I heard you say, um, we need the community um, togetherness and we need people to come out um, as a grassroots organization, founder of No Racism, No Hate, and also as a small business owner and real estate development company. Um, we've been going to the Board of Supervisors um, with New Bay and the new editor of New uh, SF Bayview, as well as contractors and others. When we're putting together something with the truckers who've been protesting from Patrol Hill to the Bayview with their trucks, I just wanna know, um, how do we go about you know, linking the two to where we already have 20 strong black men uh, and women? How do we link to uh, put this agenda with ours or just, be, you know, just because it's all community based at the end of the day. Like, and Brother Jamel said, the great work they're doing in the baby. How do we link with what you're doing to go to the Board of Supervisors in unity, in mass, in numbers? Um, yeah. What, how do we go about that? 
Thank you. We'll certainly push something out so that everyone knows how to stay connected. Thank you. Tammy Broad next. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Yeah, I would just like to thank each and every one of you all on the reparation committee. I think you all have been doing a fantastic job and don't stop now, please. Whatever you do, don't give up. You done came too far. I've been with you all for quite a while. So therefore, don't give up the ship now. Because, and whatever you're taking down there in front of us, make sure that we get our young people. I'm an old man. I'm, I won't tell that exactly, but I'll be 76 years old. And if I can still get up and help and try to fight, let's get our people, our young people, more involved. Let's try to get them off the streets a little bit. Bring them in and show them that it can be done. I want to see this. I know it can be done because where I came from years and years ago, we stuck together. You have to stick together for anything to work out 100%. And it, it, nothing going to be 100%. But our people have to join hands, whatever it takes, to join, just join each other. We can overcome. And Dr. Keenan can say, we shall overcome. And I believe that. And I thank you all. For so much of your time, your hard work, and everything. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. The next person uh, I'd like to call is Fred Frederick Martin. Thank you for all the work that's been um, done so far. I have uh, a a few comments and a few questions. I typed some of them in the Q&A, so I don't know if someone can answer that. Um, in Martin, let me just ask you just as you get ready, and we want to hear what you have to offer, certainly. But again, we want to ask you to focus your questions and comments on this agenda item. So this isn't general public comment. This is public comment on the item that we're on, which is the chair's report. Thank you, Chair McDonald. I'm aware of that. Um, that's And that's exactly where I was going. So in regard to the public outreach and getting things out to <clears throat> the public, um, what can the community and the public do to help that effort? Number two, um, in regard to the outreach being done or what's been done to get the public and the community involved in these meetings, because I've been involved in the meetings and the subcommittee, but I think that's another way to get more input and more voices and more ideas, as you stated, Chair McDonald, I think that would be a really good way because there are some things that um, in terms of the, the draft report that are left out. And I think that outreach to the community will help with that um, because the, and you also stated that they would, the board, once it goes to the board, that they will have the ability to accept 
amend or reject. So I think there needs to be more education to the public on exactly what that means, because if that's rejected, is all of it rejected and we just got to come up with another final report or if it's amended, you know, what happens in that case? And then if it's accepted, you know, I mean, there's still a process uh, with that. And I think as part of the outreach, that's very important for people to know, because there was some other information that was said that. Uh, earlier at, at other meetings, and I specifically asked and others asked, like, what do they have to decide on this? Does the board have to make, you know, um, do they have to accept it or amend it or can they just reject it? And then once the final draft is put in, um, the sunset is not for another year. Is that year time a time for them or to have more public meetings or a time to get some of the amendments or the changes made? Because you know, because there's a lot of energy and effort that's gone into this so far. So, you know, I mean, I know you can never know like what they're gonna chop up or whatnot, but I think the outreach, that an important piece of that outreach would be informing the public of exactly what will happen in every, in, you know, every event or any one of those events. That's it, thank you. Thank you. Okay, next up is Jamil Patterson. Yeah, uh, I wanna uh, congratulate Chair McDonald. I think, you know, it was a great pick to be the chair. Uh, I also wanna know, you know, when you, if you can say this, if y'all can say this, what was the temperature like when you submitted it? <laughs> uh, and then also as far as the outreach, you know, has anybody outreached to uh, our people that work at KML? You know, Larry Dorsey, he's black. He worked at KML. Uh, Phil Mo Mike, I think he worked at KML. Uh, Will we be open to reaching out to some of the rappers to make a song? Telly Max making a song about Fillmore Heritage. Uh, you know, you know, like those type of things to get the word out and. With that, uh, you know, I'd just like to give y'all blessings and you know, keep it to the report. I love each and every person that's on the panel. And, you know, Black San Francisco. Thank you. And Chair McDonald, I do not see any more, com uh, any more hands raised at the moment. Seeing none, public comment is now closed. Thank you all again so much for your time and attention. Uh, we'll move to the next item, please. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we're not moving to the next item. We're not moving to the next item. My apologies, uh, members. <laughs> I think I'm hungry now. Uh, members' comments, questions about the chair's report. Um, I see member Barry's hand up. Thank you, chair. Um, thank you for your report. I have uh, um, two questions about your report. <clears throat> Um, as far as rallying up folks to get, get support for our recommendations, is it possible you could explain what protocol is? For example, uh, we can't just say at a meeting probably, hey, everybody, this Thursday, let's all go to City Hall and do a rally, you know, or can the community do that on their own? Um, should a subcommittee be taking the lead on something like that? How do we get that um, 
that rallying of folks organized to where it fits within legislation of what this body is assigned to do. And especially um, since Shimon, um, excuse me, Supervisor Walton is no longer the president, um, there's been a shift of power. So any action we take, I think is very important, but I think we need more direction on how to do that. And then my second question is, um, you mentioned eligibility being on the agenda again next month. And my question is, um, I'm the person that really believes the devil's in the details. And I want to ask if it's possible we can expand what eligibility actually means. Like, okay, a lump sum payment, that would be simple. You, you're eligible, you get that. But how does that trickle down to the other committees, such as education and health? If the health committee gets their black hospital equivalent to the Chinese hospital, can anybody black go to that hospital or do they have to fall under the eligibility requirements? And I know some things might be common sense, but we all know that common sense is not common. So those are my two questions. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so on the first question, in terms of protocol, et cetera, as I referenced, the subcommittee leads will be meeting on the 19th. Um, and we will walk through um, kind of how we'll structure that process and be able to give kind of appropriate direction um, to all involved. So, so more to come on that. And on the second question, so I didn't only say eligibility. So let me restate it again. Um, a number of both committee members and community members have already weighed in in terms of how they'd like to see some of the recommendations and or the eligibility changed. So modify from what we just submitted. So we want to streamline all that input so that we can bring it all back to this body for a review and ultimately a vote. All right, and my question was, can we define eligibility? Like eligible for what? Like if yeah, we yes, have different- Yes, we can. Okay, thank you. Uh-huh. Member Carter. I just wanted to echo that also, just to confirm that um, we are gonna um, have amendments for the um as action items for the next meeting as far as eligibility and also for the reparations amount i want to revisit that thank you any other comments or questions on chair's report all right seeing none this item is closed now we can move on to item six and I'm still hungry, but that's not <laughs> Um, We'll move on to item number six, um, announcements. Thank you. So yes, this is announcements, a discussion item. Com committee members and members of the public may offer announcements for upcoming events or other items relevant to the community in the context of reparations. So we're not going to implement what I am going to say right now tonight. But we are going to just as a kind of a, a preview of, of what's to come, we want to um, narrow the focus of these announcements to kind of activities related to um, our collective work versus kind of all call. There are a number of other spaces for that, but just want to say that out loud. We welcome what you have. Committee members, announcements? Member Barry. Yeah, I'm glad to get in on the um all call uh, 
portion of the meeting. Um, I like to announce something that, um, well, first I wanna say, um, I think it's really important that we all have unity. Um, I think we've been doing a great job and I think this is something we need to um, continue through this process. And I think together we can accomplish a lot. And with that being said, my announcement is this Thursday at 5 p.m., I'm excited to announce that at the Bayview Opera House, the Ruth Williams um, Opera House, that we will be starting a youth female empowerment workshop. It's a 12-week workshop where we will be doing film production and health education. So they'll have a session of health education, like bullying, domestic violence, those type of subjects. And then at the same, within the same two hour workshop, each week we will be working on a small film. And at the end of the 12 weeks, we will be presenting that film that these young ladies work together to produce. So 5 p.m. at the Bayview Opera House starting this Thursday. Find me and I'll get you started. Thank you. Thank you. Member Taylor. I just wanted to reiterate the, the announcements I put in the um, uh, comments. And that's that Reverend Brown and I have been talking over the last few weeks about organizing a citywide uh, reparation Sunday and ask all churches and synagogues, et cetera, to, to, to theme their messages that Sunday or, or Saturday around reparations and there's a lot of bible for reparations right um and also uh, um we have actually had meetings um with usf and again I, you know people are acting like we've done no marketing we had we had cornell west throughout the city um a, a few months ago um and um you know i was the main person talking about marketing when we first began from on day one that's all i talked about was marketing 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 and i i, I said we need to bring willie brown in I mean, there would be no greater a coup than to get Willie Brown to talk to us and, and see what his opinions are. And that would certainly bring some attention. But again, we are working on reparations, uh, a reparation Sunday. Um, uh, and USF and uh, the HRC has organized and we're still planning it. And, and there's a student living, 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 learning uh, a community where black students live together at USF. There's a, a bunch of money has been given in Joe Marshall's name about $6 million. These young people are part of the of this community and they're actually working with us now. They're working with um, uh, with Brittany um, and, and Stephanie Sears in sociology at USF. So those are the, those are the two front people, Brittany and Stephanie Sears. And I'm, I just sort of brought them together. So they're coordinating it and they're going to have two events at USF sometime in, in the spring. And they hope to have two events at San Francisco State, and we hope to have two events at City College. So if anybody's got connections, uh, I've talked to David D and tried to bring him in. Um, and so he's open uh, representing San Francisco State. But if anybody knows you know, access to City College, if, how we can get there through students or you know, BSU or whatever, or faculty, you know, that would be helpful. But I just wanted to share some things that are going on. And I know it's not satisfactory, but it's not true that we're not doing any marketing. I think we just have to do more of a coherent sort of concerted, you know, march together uh, in terms of everything that we're doing. And we should be documenting how many events has uh, Director Davis done all over the country. We've seen um, Tish and um, uh, Gigi go all over. I mean, they've been the, they've been the Ferguson. That that counts. We should be, and that's why I think we need a list of endorsements. We should. 
We should have every we should have every major company in the city, every church, every synagogue say we endorse reparations. And I've, I've mentioned this eight, eight months ago, a list of endorsements. But sometimes, I, you know, um, so anyway, you know, these are some things that we've actually done. Um, and uh, obviously, we need to do a whole lot more. And, and we are trying to get we are trying to come up with a campus strategy with the BSU leading it. So I just wanted to share those 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 things. Thank you, Member Taylor. Any other members? All right, let's go to members of community. So again, members of community, if you have a brief announcement you'd like to share, um, please raise your electronic hand and we would be happy to call on you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dennis Williams. Hi, Dennis Williams, are you? Available? Maybe not. We'll go to Catherine Campbell. I'm here. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you know, there's announcements that are being made, and some of them I'm trying to grab onto. And I think, um, Eric, did did you say even that would be on the on your uh, um, on your site because James. He just made an announcement that I'm really interested in, and I want to know how to get that information, or if I can give someone my uh, email address, you can send it to me. But, um, you know, I know that this platform <clears throat> is for uh, reparations, but there's so much that is, you know, that, 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 that uh, is on this, on this plate uh, that we have to try to retain as, you know, as the observer and uh, as, as the uh, participant. And so um, I want, and I know that before there was like, whew, it must, must have been the, when we first started, it seemed like it was over a hundred people on here and everyone was telling their stories and making announcements and da, 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 da. And so a lot of that is hard to process and, re, you know, and retain uh, all, all at once or even in a week. But if we have to retain it for a week, then I need to have some notes. <laughs> so I'm asking how can I get that uh, information or how you can contact me or I can contact you. So generally speaking for you, and I'll comment this one time, but this is public mm -hmm. comment time and we can engage in Q&A um, because then- That's not a question and answer. I'm, I'm saying- Can I finish? Not, well, may, may I finish? Okay, go ahead. Thank you. I, I wasn't you. finished, but go ahead. Thank you. All of our meetings are recorded and the recordings are always available on the HRC website. So anyone and everyone who's interested in recapturing what was said, um, either in announcements or any other meeting um, are always available. Okay, HR is an acronym. HREC, what, what is that right. acronym? The Human Rights Commission. Okay. Thank you, Ann Rubin. Hello. Hi there, everyone. Happy New Year. I hope 2023 is a good year for everyone, and I hope you had some rest over the holiday. Um, I'm part of the Black and Jewish Unity Coalition. And we stand by ready to support your work and, and help rally. 
I wanted to invite the members of the committee and the kindred spirits on the call. There's a lot going on this weekend, but Temple Emmanuel, Congregation Emmanuel and Third Baptist, we're having our 36th annual Martin Luther King Pulpit Exchange on Friday night at Temple Emmanuel. And we'll have a chance at five o'clock to enjoy a meal together and services at six with Reverend Brown giving the sermon and then dessert after. And that's a chance for us to see each other. I'm going to wear a mask though, <laughs> but it is a chance and we can continue to develop. It'd be good to see our friends and make new friends and, and talk about the issues too before the services. And then we can enjoy the um, the sanctuary together. I'll put the a link, I think it, that would be best in the um, in the chat. So I will I will do that. And if any of the um, advisory committee members attend, please let me know. And um, we do some candle lighting uh, uh, at the beginning of the service, and it'd be a great honor. And all the best. Have a good night. Thank you. Uh, next hand I see is Lipa Shepherd. And if you could unmute, that would be great. Lipa? Okay, are you able to hear me now? Yes, thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, I wanted, I don't know if it's the right announcement or not the right announcement, but I did want to write, I did want to announce about Cheryl Davis book signing her first children book. Um, at um, USF is going to be this Thursday. Um, and um, it's it's at seven o'clock. Um, I think it's at seven o'clock. Let me see, I can pull it up here real quick. Mm -hmm. uh, the, I wasn't going to jump in, but just to help you out, yes, Liba, the, uh, <laughs> the reading is a seven. <laughs> I, did, I did realize I could answer that question. Yes. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. So come out and support. Um, Queen Cheryl Davis' first um, book. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. It's Thursday night. Thank you. Okay, Dee Seligman. I think you're so muted, Dee. We can't hear you, so I'm sorry. I did here? not intend to raise my hand. Oh, if, okay. uh, so I uh, don't have anything to contribute at this point. But thank you very much. All right, thank you, Phyllis Bowie. 
Okay, Phyllis maybe disappeared. Okay, Dennis Williams. Okay, thank you. I don't know what's going on with this mute unmute button, but it, it, it's true. It might be my Wi-Fi. I'm down here in Plaza East, uh, low-income housing. Okay, well, my announcement um, as sub-chair of the Fillmore Merchants Collaborative, I'm going to say to the homegoing of a pillar of the Fillmore community, uh, Miss Beatrice Bigum, excuse me, aka Miss B, we know her as in the community. She was a storefront owner, longtime owner of Fillmore. Um, want to say send our condolences to her and her family. Um, from here to the Bayview and across to the East Bay and insist on we must push for uh, a preservation of our storefronts and more ownership and also the preservation of our subsidized housing. Um, as a real estate developer, uh, we, we must, it's a, it's, a, it's a must that we get in on the redevelopment of our buildings and push for um, ownership on the flip side, when we redevelop all these properties, instead of making them so mixed with uh, market rate and affordable housing, which is not affordable to us, um, and we lose our community. So just want to shout out to the family of uh, Miss B, um, a pillar of the uh, Fillmore community and a, st a storefront owner for decades. Thank you. Thank you. And Mo. Hello everyone. I am uh, I have I am a wearable art designer and I have a futurism fashion show that is centered around reparations. It is going to be the best fashion show in all of 2023 in the world. I'm claiming that. It is going to be February 24th, which is next month, at the Bayview Opera House from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Um, I am deeply concerned about the continued population decline of generational Black San Franciscans. I believe that dreaming and creating a new world consists of honoring our past accurately, engaging and confronting our present, and visualizing and imagining a new future. World-making projects such as my futurism fashion shows center Black Americans, their ancestors and descendants in the future living whole repaired lives. This one will enable us to view our current reality in this city as something that can be reconstructed now to the benefit of all communities. Again, my futurism fashion show is going to be at the Bayview Opera House, February 24th, which is a Friday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. It will also honor my father, Coach Ernest McNeely Sr., who was San Francisco's first Black American varsity high school head coach of Mission High School. He would have been 100 years old. So I am honoring my father while also honoring our wonderful, unique legacy as Black generational San Franciscans and helping us imagine ourselves in the future of this city that is hell-bent on, on erasing us, excuse my language. Please come. It's going to be an amazing event that you don't want to miss, and I'm making it an annual event for San Francisco um, for Black History Month. I call it Black History, Black Futures Month, um, because I my art practice is about honoring our past and honoring our future and present. So please come again February 24th next month. Baby Opera House from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Thank you very much. Thank you. Frederick Martin. 
Thank you. Um, the the I have just two announcements. One is uh, Thursday, January 12th. Um, also at seven, the big payback with Erica Alexander and Whitney Dow. It's part of KQED. They're looking at their documentary and it's on the first tax funded reparations bill in the United States. And it looks at one local leader as she and her community struggle to realize restitution. Um, that's number one. I, so you can live stream that one. So you can go to director Davis's book signing and then maybe watch it on video after or catch it later because um, it starts at the same time. And then there's another event on January 11th. It's um, actually two, it's ending racist traffic stops. And it's, uh, I think it's the, it's a coalition on ending racist traffic stops, um, but the Glide Social Justice Network um, is also a, a center um, organizer of that. The, there's a press conference at 10 a.m. on the City Hall Polk Street steps uh, addressing this. And then there's a police commission meeting at 5.30 p.m. in City Hall room 400. And I believe the one at 5.30 is also um, on Zoom. And uh, that's it, that's it. Thank you. Okay, Jamil Patterson. All right, I got two announcements. Um, the sisters, uh, uh, ne well, Neo is uh, having a um, men's mental health panel uh, this Friday, the 14th, from 1 to 4. <laughs> uh, man, 49er day, but hey, I will be on the panel myself, uh, so come check it out. It's going to be at the Bayview Opera House. And um, also, I heard that uh, the brother last that has he owns ESTBC Print. I heard that he was having an uh, open house February the fourth. Uh, that's a print shop that's on Third Third Street has fifty two black businesses. You know, over there. You know, I think we need to start thinking about shaping our corridors they don't just got to be known as the badlands you know everybody go to san bruno to go spend money and stuff like that in bayshore but they look at third street as the badlands i think we, we, we could start characterizing our our corridors a lot differently you know so you know let's you know so i would say you know support that uh and let's shine a light on black business in san francisco Get it on the radar tourism, you know. So when somebody come here, they they gonna want to come here to you or your community. With that, I'm gonna land a plane, and uh, God bless. Thank you. All right, and I see Phyllis Boy is back. Let's try this again, Phyllis. Thank you. Um, I want to first say that I know that this committee can't do everything back to the outreach and i know you've got a meeting coming up take advantage of all the community members on here i know the one sister said she has a platform that she's donating for free i have for over eight months said that i would create a channel on the bay area video um 
coalition, BAVAC, where I've been a producer for almost 10 years. I even reached out to each one of the members to do an interview so we could start having a voice on that. And that would be a platform that I'd be willing to manage and make sure all the information is out there and to be run PSAs and everything continuously on channel 29 uh, SF Commons. So once again, I am volunteering for that. I don't know what happened. The many meetings I had with DeAnthony, I don't know what happened. This huge plan that we had. I even put my name to things to help move it forward. That was over eight months ago. So I'm just imploring you. I don't know where that information is. He told me it was turned over to the committee, but if we could just continue what we're doing and then just go in and say yes to me, just go in and say yes to me and I can be part of the solution. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. The next person with their hand up is Melody Downey. Yes, good evening and happy new year. Uh, my name is Dr. Melody Huff, Melody Downey Huff, and I am a part of Dreamkeepers Initiative Success Centers Leadership Academy. And my organization is a Change SF Community Housing Agency for Generational Equity. And our goal is to assist in tax legal rehab services and resources, as well as funding opportunities for housing for African-Americans, working families, teachers, city workers, and first responders that live in San Francisco. And our goal is to bring inclusion and diversity in areas where we just don't live anymore. We, we don't see them, um, see us. And um, I would like to just offer um, our website, www.changesf.org, as well as um, I'll, my name is Dr. Melody Huff, like I said, and my email is support at changesf.org. I would like to partner with so many people on this call. I've, this is my third meeting I've come to and as well as reach um, out and work with uh, the other organizations with the same goals or similar goals. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. And the next person I see is Kenneth Johnson uh, for this, um, this agenda item about announcements. Mr. Johnson, you have the floor. Yeah, I'd like to make an announcement that that you guys follow up with uh, Phyllis Bowie and to put these programs uh, on the air. She has a dynamite connection with Channel 29, which is not just broadcast in San Francisco, it's on the internet worldwide. And she's a, a dynamite producer. And, and the lady that just... Uh, uh, came on, Miss Mel Dr. Melanie, that would be a good interview for you to start off with, uh, Phyllis. And then you can interview one each of the, uh, the board members, the uh, task force members on this show, so people know where, where it's, who, who's making these decisions. So I think uh, her offer is, is really key to getting the word out to everybody about what the reparations, who the reparations committee members are and, 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 and what's going on. And it'll be a good way, you know, to spread the news to get everybody involved, you know. Uh, so take advantage. So when you want people to show up for something, you, you have everybody, you know, who, who, you know, who know what you're doing to come down to city hall, you know, to do whatever you want done. This is a hell of an opportunity 
to have your own show and you got a producer who's gonna help you produce it for you. So I, I, I would suggest, strongly suggest that, you know, this be followed through and you guys contact Phyllis and get it done. So, so Thank people you. will know what's going on, you know. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Chair McDonald, I see no other hands raised. Seeing none, public comment on this item is closed. I'm sorry. Yeah, public comment is closed. Um, we'll move to item number seven. Thank you. The next item on the agenda is adoption of the December 12th, 2022 meeting recording and trans transcription. This is a discussion and possible action item. We'll go to public comment first. Again, this is public comment on the adoption of the meeting recording from the December 12th meeting. Um, so if there's anyone who'd like to make public comment on this item, please raise your hand and we'll, we'll call on you. Thank you so much. I see Linda Hills. Oh, sorry, Linda, if you could unmute, please. Linda, if you can hear me, please unmute so you can give your comment. Okay, I'm sorry, we're gonna have to move on. Chair McDonald, I see no other hands raised at this time. Thank you so much. So then public comment on this item is closed. Uh, members, I would entertain a motion to adopt the recording for December 12th. So move. Is there a second? Second. All right, by acclamation, uh, we will approve the recording. Moving then to item number eight, adjourn. Is there a motion to adjourn? Yes, Member Barry. I move to adjourn in honor of Shonda Anthony. She grew up in the Fillmore district. Her brother is Jeff Anthony that went to Reardon. Her father is Swift, anybody who knows sports. Um, he coached Galileo, he coached uh, City College SF, and they, they were right there on uh, Webster and McAllister, Kitty Corner to Ella Hill Hutch. And um, she passed away about a month ago. So I would like to adjourn in memoriam of Shonda Anthony. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Is there a second? Second. Thank you so much. By acclamation, we will adjourn the meeting. Looking forward to, again, everyone participating in our February 13th meeting. Thank you all so much for your time and attention tonight. Have a good evening. Thanks, all.